today, this week on the show, I guess not today, but this week on the show, we had one of our favorite people, Katie Taylor. I know I say that about all of our guests, but like Katie is, Katie feels like my big sister or like our big sister in a lot of ways. Like we just kind of like have a fun relationship like that. Uh, And so it's super fun to just get to hang out with her. But today I want to talk to you about um, something that's a little bit unique to our our podcast, and that is selling B2B or business to business when you have a little bit of a longer sales cycle. Most of our guests like are selling business to consumer, which is where someone can go online, they can buy from your website, and you're probably selling something under, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks. Katie is selling something that's very, very high ticket and the sales cycle is really long. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, if that's cool. Oh, absolutely. And Katie is one of my favorite people in the world. She has not only you know been a client of ours, but she's become like a friend. Um, she, sure. texts me, she texts me all the time about just personal stuff and business stuff. And we just have such a wonderful relationship. And um, yeah, hers has been an interesting project because we've been with her for a while now. And it's funny that you say, you know, you know, most of our people are selling like a, you know, maybe like a, we'll just say on average less than a hundred dollar product, you know, like of course, Katie has something that costs like over six figures. <laughs> like it's not even close. Right, and right, right. Her sales cycle is could be, I mean, honestly, over a year long. And yeah, or, or more. Or more, yeah. And I know she's had yeah. some struggles with that because, you know, you've it's tough, it's tough to get that rejection or it's tough when you just play this waiting game for months and months and months and months and months. And you're just waiting on companies to have like a budget meeting, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. uh, It's, it's tough. She's had a interesting time with it, but I think she has an amazing strategy going forward. But yeah, like, you know, you and I talked before we recorded this, like what are, I think we're going to cover some really important things today for people. And that is if you have a long sales cycle, what are some things you can do? So uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm excited for sure. And keep in mind, like if you're listening, like our business is also has a fairly long sales cycle or it can, right? We even Mm -hmm. mentioned, we we hadn't thought about this until today, but like even our journey with Katie Taylor was like, we had worked with her, like, I don't know, I guess two years ago now at this point Mm -hmm. or going on two years. And then we didn't hear from her for like a year, right? And so like that sales cycle was, was pretty long for us, even with that client who knows and kind of understands what that's like. So um, today I want to give like three things to understand when you're selling B2B and when you have a longer sales cycle. And then we also have a little fun bonus at the end um, that's beneficial if you're just getting started and you don't really have any other streams of revenue. So um, Brad, do you want to go ahead and just like kick us off with yeah. the first one on that list? Yeah. And the, and the first one's a really big one because um, I think people immediately, immediately shut the door on this one, you know, when they get that no, but the sale isn't over until you get the firm no you're going to have with a long sales cycle you're going to have maybe get put off by a lot of people or they're kind of you know they're going to send you to somebody else or whatever and um, you feel like you get strung along that's a good way to say that um some Mm -hmm. people would take that as a no that's not a no um right just because they disappear out of your inbox for a couple months that's still not a no it's not a no until they say no it's not what's the old saying it's not over until the fat lady sings right like same thing like it's not over yet you have to be persistent and checking back right. in with me. For sure. And not being annoying, right? Like we're not advocating right. for like knocking down people's door. But if you get anything other than a, no, I don't want to work with you, that sale isn't over, right? That might sound like, oh, we don't have the budget yet. Or eh, I'm just, I have some questions. Or or like in our case, we get a lot of um, leads who reach out and then just, we don't hear from them for like months at a time. I remember we had someone who um, 
this has been like within the last year. So it's relatively recent. Like I had reached out and we sent the proposal and we went through that whole sales process. And then I didn't hear anything from her for, for months. And I remember like once a month, I would just kind of check in as I was doing my rounds and say, Hey, just wanted to send you this resource or, Hey, I was thinking about you. Like, do you have any questions? We'd love to work with you. And it was like six or seven months where I literally didn't hear from her. She didn't respond to any of my emails. And then eventually she gets back to me and she's like, Hey, we had, you know, a family emergency that we've been dealing with. I'm so sorry. Like I should have responded and told you. So you never really know what that other person is going through. You don't know what they're working through on their end. Um, and it's not over until they say, you know, give you a, a firm, a firm no. So um, that's something you really need to understand when you're selling uh, business to business. And I think, you know, going back to Katie's story, like we, yes, we worked with her two years ago. We had a fantastic experience. And I remember you and I, it had been probably nine, 10, 11 months later. One of us just said, I wonder how Katie Taylor's doing. Have you talked to her? And, yeah. Oh, I haven't right. heard from her. And so one of us reached out to her. And next thing you know, we have a contract. And right. um, yep. gosh, I could think of multiple people like that, that um, mm -hmm. have been like that, where they just kind of disappeared. Maybe, and, you know, because sometimes at first, maybe it doesn't work for their budget, but they really want it to. And they just haven't communicated that. And so they just need time to kind of get in a better place. You know, so that right. Well, that leads you. us that leads us really well into number two, which is prioritize relational value over sales. Like right. with Katie, like, yeah, I mean, it's great that, you know, we got the sale or whatever. But like, ultimately, like our goal was to serve our friend, right? Like serve a person that we cared about. Right. And so we prioritize relational value over getting that sale. And the sale is going to follow, right? It, you can't do it the other way around. And if you have a digital brand where you are selling something um, that is like a lower ticket, you probably don't really have the opportunity to like meet with people, to talk with them face to face because they're going on your um, they're going on your site and they're buying right away. Right. So um, it's really important to understand that when you do have a longer sales cycle and a higher ticket product you're going to have to build that relational trust and that relational value over time. So, you know, like we mentioned earlier, like check in with them, right? Like it's, if they give you a not yet coming back a couple months later, or a month later and saying, Hey, just wanted to check in. How are you doing? Uh, and then the other piece is just making sure that you're giving tons and tons of value to your lead. Even if you don't make the sale, I mean, gosh, Brad, like we've had so many clients who like, we haven't heard from them or, you know, that sale process has been really long, but then every month or every two months we say, Hey, read this book. And I thought it'd be helpful for you. Or, Hey, saw this podcast, thought it'd be helpful. Or, Hey, I was just thinking about this thing we talked about a couple months ago and we wrote a blog about it. And so here's, you know, some, some tips on that. So prioritize relational value over sales uh, by giving tons of value and just really being like, you, you want to be helpful and see that person as a person and not just as a sale that you're trying to make. Oh, hundred percent. I, I think the best thing you can do is make the other person feel like you're not trying to get the sale. Like you, like they need to feel that you genuinely care about them and their success mm -hmm. and how they're doing. Um, whether or not, you know, them on a personal level, it doesn't have to be personal. Like, yes, I have some mm -hmm. people I do get personal and I'll ask how the kids are doing. If I haven't talked to them in a while, you know, right, but, right. but like, yeah, oh gosh, we got countless people where, like for instance, the TikTok workshops that we we recorded that we've sent that to because we just think it would be helpful for people whether or not they work with us or not. But um, but I'll be, yes, more often than not, what ends up happening though is people see that value over time, and um, they immediately in their brain when you know when the time does come and they need help, they think of us because we've given them mm -hmm. so much value over the course of you know months on, on end. So right. always prioritize relational value over sales every single time. It'll right. it'll do sure. so much more wonders in, in the long run. And actually to tee up um, point number three, actually I had a conversation the other day 
with a brand that was kind of uh, restructuring some some email series and they were asking me what they could add to it and i said you know it it, it will never hurt your email sequence if you add a value email where here's a post we did here's a blog we did here's mm-hmm. here's an article here's something that we, we think would help you and they had said they had started doing that um in some of their sequences and those emails with the value have the highest read rates and click rates so Right. It never, ever, ever, ever hurts to add value to your marketing, which takes us to point three in that you need to have multiple touch points for people to interact with your brand. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's because, you you know, you can't just have one sales call and then be done and then just hope they come back up or hope right. they interact with you some way. I mean, you, you've got to have other touch points. Like we have a podcast, we have blogs, we have emails we send out, we do proposals, we have statements of work. Um, what, what, what did they say, Kyler? Like, someone has to see something like eight times for them to commit it to memory or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Something like that. It's either, it's, it's like seven to nine times. And it's probably even, honestly, it's probably more when you have a long sales cycle and you're selling a high ticket, a high ticket item. I mean, we had, we had a lead um, who we're working with now. I'm not going to say the name um, on the show, but you might know who it is, Brad, who uh, had for like a full year, basically just like followed us and read our stuff and downloaded our resources and like engaged with our like there's probably like 30 plus touch points and we didn't even know the person like because they were they were like Mm -hmm. just staying under the radar and they were just looking at our stuff they were downloading our things they were listening to us they were you know engaging with us and then eventually when they reached out they were like okay we're ready to ready to roll Um, And so it's important to understand that like when you do have a long sales cycle, your blog, your emails, some of those things might not inherently drive sales for you in the way that like if you're selling a $50 product, someone might read a blog and then buy that product from you. Not really going to happen if you are selling a $5,000 product or $10,000 product, right? Those things just help reinforce value and they help show the lead that you know what you're talking about, right? So that's really what the purpose of those are is it's just to help provide multiple touch points. And I think too, like if you're selling a $37 product, I don't really need to have much trust in you. Like I'm, I, I can part with 37 and I'm okay. Right. I, I know I'll, I'll probably get something useful out of it and I'm okay with that. But typically with mm-hmm. a long sales cycle, you inherently have a large price. And at a large right. price, there needs to be a high level of trust. And the only way to develop that trust is to have multiple touch points with them so that to your point, they can see that you are the expert in what you're talking about. And there's you, you have, you prioritize relational over, over sales. So they're that built, built trust as well. So to me, it's a whole exercise in building trust with people so that when they're ready, they think of you. And I don't know, you know, we've talked about in the past, like we've talked, Hey, we're story brand guides or we're former story brand guides, I should say. And do you remember the story of Donald Miller when he used to work at that publishing company and how he changed their, like he started reaching out to people on a weekly basis. He would send a weekly email with all these clients mm-hmm. so that he would always be top of mind and that they, they had touch right. points with him and, and it said it, it raised their sales like a ton because he just stayed top of mind. So that's part of having multiple touch points too, is staying top of mind without being aggressive or annoying about it. Yeah. Right. For sure. Um, all right. So let me quickly recap three things you need to understand when selling B2B and when you have a longer sales cycle. Uh, one, the sale isn't over until you get a firm no. Two, you need to prioritize relational value over sales. And then three, you need to have multiple touch points. But I don't want to end there just yet. Uh, I want to give a little bit of bonus. So if you are starting off and you are anything like Katie, where like 
you're jumping into a long sales cycle, that means that you can go like a long period of time without getting any revenue, right? Like if that sales cycle is six months or a year and you only make three sales a year, like there's months and months at a time where you go without getting any revenue. So Brad, like, can you just share that quick tip? Um, what to do if you're in that, in that position? Yeah, if you're in that position where you're waiting months and months and months between uh, income coming in, which you obviously need, we all do, um, what you need to do is create other streams of revenue in the short term. So you've got your you've got your long sales cycle. You need to create pieces that have short sales cycles. Uh, Katie is actually a perfect example of this because Katie realized, hey, my sales cycle is really long. I need money. What can I do in the meantime? So what she did is she created online training for her audience. So her audience is um, child life specialists. They have to get, you know, X number of uh, education hours every year. So Katie created small little modules that were where child life specialists can get their credits and she sells those at a very low price point. So that gets her mm -hmm. money coming in every month enough to pay her bills and do things she needs to do while she's waiting on the bigger sale. And so yeah, get creative. You know, there, there are so many ways you could, you could come up. Maybe it is a course, maybe it's a little membership. Maybe it's a, maybe you have a shop on your site that sells different like templates and, um, mm -hmm. all kind. you could even you do, do a consulting newsletter. too. Yeah. You could go and meet yeah. with a company for a day and do a consulting, or you can do an hourly coaching call or, or whatever, right? There's kind of an infinite number of things that you can do, but the idea is that you should have other streams of revenue that will help kind of fill the gaps in the short term that have a much shorter, shorter sales cycle. That yep. one, two punch can be really effective for sure. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you have it. Three things to understand when selling B2B. The sale isn't over until you get a firm no. Two, prioritize relational value over sales. Three, you need to have multiple touch points. And then as a bonus, you need to create other streams of revenue in the short term if that sales cycle becomes too long for your business to manage. Yep, I love it. <laughs>